0: Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at CelebrationChurchLive.com. Well, we are in the second week of a series we've just simply called Roller Coaster. And with that, then (coughs) this is looking at the life of a man named Joseph that... If you walk through the Bible reading, where we as a church, we start reading through the Bible again every January one, and we we have a plan that if you track along with it, you can read the entire Bible through the course of the year. It takes about fifteen minutes a day, and you can read the entire Bible. If you've never done that, I encourage you to do so. But if you're on that track, you've already covered Genesis, and you're well into exodus now and 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 so that with this you covered and you read about Joseph. Now Genesis is fifty chapters long. It's it's a pretty long uh book of the Bible and of course begins with in the beginning and the creation and Adam and Eve and it ends with Joseph. It ends with this story. And the last fourteen chapters of Genesis cover this this chunk of life that of Joseph's that we're gonna look at. The man lives to be to be well over 100 years old. We we catch him here. We catch him at 17. And we look at about a 20-year chunk of his life. And that 20-year chunk is one roller coaster event. But as we look at this and we spend this time in this, we see that no matter whether things were up or things were down or things were sideways or twisted and you couldn't even get your bearings, that Joseph stayed in this place where he trusted god and man i'm telling you the plan and the purpose of god was lived out in joseph's life so if you've got your bulletin open you got your 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 version app open you can track along with us and we're jumping off with this concept that the joy in life is not about simply embracing the ups or avoiding the downs but it's in knowing that no matter what life throws at you god will carry us forward no matter what so many times that's, that's, that place, that's all, we can, that's all we can hang on to. Is simply knowing, simply knowing that God has got this. And when we're, when we're aware of that, it lets us embrace these moments that we would normally struggle against and, and have such a hard time with and we can begin to see the grace and the love of God. See, we, the, most of the time the, 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 nice, the ups, we all love the ups of life. The ups of life are up. We like them. We want to, for them to just to be there all the time. But today we're going to look at the truth that the ups, they have downsides of their own. They have their own places of difficulties. And so we have to be rooted in this concept. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. God is gonna. God fills us. He's our source. Remember, from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. That He fills us with joy and peace as we trust in Him. Trusting in God is not this place that okay. Well, I'm at a place of joy and peace, so now I can trust God. No, we arrive at a place of real joy and real peace as we trust in Him, and it has an it has an end result. It's so that we may overflow with hope by the power. Of the Holy Spirit. Now God wants us to live lives where this there is this constancy of joy. Well, how do we do that when not all of life is enjoyable? Well, we recognize that there's this, the author of all joy, the source of all joy is with us all the time. See, when is joy the most noticeable? Joy is the most noticeable in the places where you just it just shouldn't be there. How many of you have seen somebody going just through just an absolute horrible time and you meet them and there's just this, the peace of God is there, the joy of God is there and you're like, how can this be? How can this be? You know, it's easy to find the guy who everything's turning up for them. Everything's rolling in their direction and you meet them and you expect them to be all smiles and you expect them to be all thumbs up. But you find the person in life the man, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm getting ready to hear a, sa- a, a sob story here. And you're like, man, how are things going? And you're like, man, I'm telling you, God's at work. God's at work, and it is so exciting. And you're like, man, your life's a wreck. Your life is messed up. You know, there are times that the, the joy in unforeseen places, it really sticks out. You ever have that moment where you're in a place that's kind of somber? And for some reason, you checked Facebook. And most of the time, it's okay until that one thing that just catches you funny. And you're sitting there, and you're sitting there. Maybe you did it at uh, the doctor's office or hopefully not at a funeral. And you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, it's And you're just busting out laughing at completely the wrong time. It just sticks out. It just sticks out. And seeing God wants our joy. To be in everything. And God's, the joy of the Lord gets the, the most glory when it shows up in the most odd <coughs> places where it just joy just shouldn't be. Now I want us to look at this concept that we never, ever, ever reach a place in life where we do not need to trust God. We just don't. We can find ourselves that we hit a difficult place in life and we come to God. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're here this morning because life's just rough and you're like, man, I need some joy. I need some peace. I need some hope and I pray you find it today. But sometimes we can go and then we can get some of that joy and hope and peace and life begin to kind of go in a good direction and we kind of disconnect from God. And I know in my own life, as I have found those places, that I have found, and I had to be honest, that there are certain things that, that there's places of tension. Let's just take, let's just take finances for, for, for an example. When, when Cutie and I first stepped out into ministry and I had the great opportunity to, to, to take a, a living wage and turn that into a A faith wage that uh, we were able to pay our bills and to have a little bit and save a little bit and eat out when we wanted to and and then we end up in a place where our known income does not meet our known bills it just doesn't add up you can't it just doesn't work and we know that God's called us to that and and God's like just just trust me just trust me and God was faithful and we lived in that place for years For years but man I was it was always this always this thing that man I just I wanted to be able to get enough resources so that man that that we we weren't in that moment anymore we weren't in that moment anymore and finally I had to get honest before God and I was like God why am I struggling like this so much why am I struggling like this we didn't go without we didn't go without everybody was like man you got so many kids how can you afford so many kids? I'm like God bless his family. We're just a conviction we had in our heart. God bless his family. And I'm here to try to talk you into that. It's a truth God dropped in our hearts. And I'm here to attest to you. Every kid we had, our standard of living went up. Somehow the pie got split with more people. But somehow there was a bigger pie and everybody got more. It didn't make sense it didn't make sense but man our standard of living went up with every kid that we that came into our lives you're like well now I know why you got so many kids you want say, baby we need a new house Woo, let's get a kid we need a little nicer car in life let's have another kid that was that, that was that was not the game plan but it was just it was just the it was just the truth it's just the truth But then as we were sitting there and I would have these moments and God was, he was faithful. He was just amazingly faithful and and he put points of generosity in our hearts and we're like, God, we don't even, we don't even, we're believing you for for money to be able to pay our bills. How are we supposed to also believe money to be able to to give towards this missionary and to be able to do that? And he's like, I provide and I provide, I provide this and, and I'll provide that. And when we saw him and it was always, he was always faithful. But there was still this tension that I wanted to be at a place that I just wanted there to be more than enough there so that I didn't have to worry about it. And I had to be real honest with God because I wasn't lacking. My family wasn't going without. There were, nothing was missing, but there was still this tension. So it wasn't God's faith. Uh, God being faithful. I knew he was faithful. When it was down at the end I just didn't like trusting God I just didn't like it I did not my soul down deep in my soul I did not want to need God that much I didn't want to need him I want to be a little bit more independent I wanted to be able to have my stuff under control a little bit more and every place I put me a little bit more in control, I pushed him out a little bit more. And finally, as I began to see the realness and the honesty of where that was, of why I would get so when things felt roller y in that area, that it wasn't that I didn't think that God was faithful. I just didn't like the way it felt. I just didn't like it. I just didn't want to be in that place of tension anymore. I just didn't want to need God that much. Folks, I'm here to tell you, God's faithful. And whatever you're here for, God's going to take care of you. But I want you to know that God's plan for your life is way bigger than you can even wrap your mind around. And as you step into it, you're going to need God more in the future than you've even think about needing him right now God's plan for your life is so big that he's the only one that can do it it's not God's plan for you isn't a plan that he just dumps in your lap and you go I got this God I don't need you for my God plan I don't need you for my God dream no it's a God dream because only God can do it only God can make it happen And we have to get in a place, if we're going to be Christ followers, we have to get into a place where we are comfortable trusting him. And the truth is, most of us aren't. Most of us want all of the trust places to be hurry up and over and dealt with so that we can live in some place where we don't really have to trust God, where we can just be cool with God. Like, God, you're good, I'm good, we're all good. Instead of really having to be in a place of trusting Him. Folks, Celebration Church, we're about knowing God better and trusting Him more. And you are not, as you follow Christ, you are not going to ever, 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 ever find a place where you don't need to trust God. So let's grow. Let's get better at it. Let's get so consumed with the truth that He loves us and He's for us that we can live in a place of rest. Trusting Him. Let's look at Romans chapter 1 verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Faith is how we begin our relationship with God. We begin by believing that what the Holy Spirit is tugging on our heart, that, that there's a God that exists, that He loves us, that He, he exhibited Himself and And displayed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. That he was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That all of this tension and pain and all the problems that our sinfulness and our destructive behaviors have brought into this. That God was dealing with it. He wasn't telling us to fix it. He stepped in and he fixed it. And he's handled it. And we believe him. And we enter this thing by faith. And then we keep going. By faith. We keep trusting Him by faith. We keep letting the Holy Spirit work in our lives by faith. It says, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Well, the righteous are the people that got everything together. It's righteous. There's nothing unright there. And they're living by faith. Guess what? If you've placed your faith in Christ, you are the righteous. Like, well, Brandon, my life don't look very righteous. Well, maybe not, but who you are at your core, in your spirit, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's what the scriptures tell us, it is the truth. And we have to move forward in our relationship with God by trusting Him. We move forward in it by believing Him. I love the way the Romans translation and the, me- the message translation of Romans. Covers this and if you've been through our newcomers class, then you're you're familiar with this as we, we talk about this a lot Romans 117 in the message. It says God's way of putting people right Shows up in acts of faith confirming what scripture has said all along the person in right standing before God by trusting him really lives Your fullest best life exists in trusting God. Your fullest best life exists there. And here's the truth. We don't want to do it. We're uncomfortable trusting God. We want to be self-reliant. We want to be in control ourselves. We want to have a handle on it. We want to have it figured out. We want to be able to analyze it and look at it and describe it and and turn it every which way and, and feel like we fully understand it. And understanding and analy- analytics and all that stuff is good stuff. But at the end of the day, what's where what are we going to make our decisions on? How are we going to live our lives? Are we going to live by trusting Him, or are we going to live by trusting in ourselves? I want us to look real quick at we're going again at the the beginning of this Joseph story in Genesis thirty-seven. Because so many times we can think that, you know, if I can just get, if I can just be in a high place, if I can just get on top of this, then I'm not gonna have to trust God as much. There's not gonna be the tension. Man, when things are in the pit, of course we're having to trust God, call out to God. God, I got myself in a mess again. Help me to get out. And he's faithful and he does that. He does that. But here we pick up with Joseph at a high point. And there's still tension. called this sermon, click, 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 click. You ever ridden a roller coaster? Does that noise just kind of get your tummy fluttering a little bit? Click, 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 click. Oh, it's awesome. I can just feel it right now. Going up, reach that high point, and then you get to take the drop, and it is awesome. So here we are, verse 1, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Um, now, remember, remember we last week, you know, we talked about, you know, just through at that truth that, you know, snitches get stitches, and so they, nobody likes a snitch and so but um joseph saw that this is the family business everybody including his brothers their future their inheritance everything relies on them taking care of everything and somebody had to be honest about what was going on jacob wasn't checking everybody he trusted his boys out there and joseph was the one who did the right thing and he told us that man the the brothers, they're just not taking care of business. They're just they're goofing off. They're not taking care of the herds. They're, they're, they're not taking care of business out here. And so he, he brings a bad report. And Jacob um, believes him. He, he believes him. He, he knows that, yeah, I know my boys, they, they, they can act like that. And so he says, now Israel loved, Israel slash Jacob, um, loved Joseph more than any other of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made him <coughs> made an, inor- an ornate robe for him so here's Joseph Joseph is the young in here all the older brothers everybody's older now in this culture the firstborn and the oldest they're they're the prize and everybody else gets the leftovers and the it gets uglier and uglier and uglier as you go down the line but here's here's Joseph who's here at towards the end of this thing and he's got all the favor so man he's he's dressing good he's now been promoted he's he's in charge of his brothers he is fully loved life seems to be good all of the good stuff a parent's love success at work nice clothes all these good things everything should be good for (coughs) Joseph but here's the problem that when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So here he finds success and he finds tension at the same time. Here he is, he's, he's, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, he's handling his business, he's doing things right, and then those that are not begin to hate him. Almost titled, titled this as well, hater's going to hate. Because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And you know what? There are so many times in life people, people start out and they want to f- begin to move forward and, and find a little success in life. And they think, man, if I can just get a little success, then life's going to be okay. And guess what? Success brings a whole new crop of problems. People on the top have different kinds of problems than the people who are, uh, other people who are struggling further down the line. It's not all of a sudden that just now you arrive and everything's good. How difficult would it be for him to live in a place where he is constantly hated? That his brothers hate him. Not because of anything he did. He would have to be less Joseph for him to be embraced by his brothers. Joseph was an honorable, faithful, trustworthy guy. We see that as we look through his life. That's why he kept promoting everywhere. Remember last week we talked about things go sideways for him and he ends up as a slave, but he ends up ruling the house. Then things go sideways there and he ends up in the prison. He ends up being in control of the prison. And then a turn of events takes place and he ends up being second command of entire of Egypt. Why? Because Joseph was a faithful guy. Joseph was a a get-it-done kind of guy, and he was being that at 17, and it created enemies for him. It created problems for him. See, every part of life has its own struggle. Even the ups have their downside. We move forward in the story. In verse 5, it says, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves out of grain grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bound down to it. And his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? We actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of this dream of what he had said. I'm going to pause right there. Because it depends on how you read this story. There's no... There's no motivation given on why Joseph opens his mouth and he tells his dream. Joseph is already hated. There's already tension. Okay? So you can read it one way. You can read it that Joseph is 17, kind of on top. We can read into our perception that if successful people are arrogant and self-promoting... And all the stuff that our culture tries to say that successful people are this stereotype. And we can try to say and put that on Joseph. The scriptures don't say that. And try to put that that Joseph's bragging. Okay. That Joseph is immature and he's a little brash and, and he, he's bragging. But that, that, that's, that's, not what the scriptures, that's not what the scriptures say. And so if that's, if that's the case, well then he, he opens the doorway for this. But you can also read this from another lens. You can also read this from the lens of a 17-year-old boy who's hated by all the guys he wished liked him. By all the people in his life, all the men in his life that wish he was just would be accepted. And here he is, and he's struggling, and he's trying to do the right thing, and... and He just wishes things were different and he gets this dream. And he he knows it's not just a pizza dream. It's not just that I stayed up too late and I had a weird dream. That God's involved in this dream. And in this dream, this is symbolic that all of a sudden these guys that hate him all of a sudden recognize and have this place of favor and honor towards him. And God has given him whether he was supposed to share it or not, God has given him this picture that your place of pain isn't always going to be there. You're not always going to be hated. You're not always going to be despised. In fact, they're going to like you so much, they're going to come down and honor you. Maybe it was something that should have been taken in and just, and just been pondered in his heart. We don't know. It doesn't say where he was supposed to share it or not share it. But I think if we read it from the venue and from the lens of a young man who just gets excited that his brothers aren't always going to hate me. God's doing something here, guys. God's doing something here. And one day, you're going to recognize it. And he got so excited and he wants to kind of see things go ahead and happen and get them cool with it. And he goes ahead and he tells them, guess what? You're not always going to hate me. You're not always, you it isn't always going to be like this. I'm not always going to be a little punk Joseph. One day, you're going to recognize that the way I'm built and the, and the way God's wired me, that you're going to be thankful for it to the point of bowing down and, and recognizing it. Well, guess what? That day wasn't that day. That, that was set for in the future. And that did not work. But, man, I'm telling you, you just sense the tension. The guy has all. Oh, he's got the favor. He, things are going good for him. But when his relationships are jacked over, oh, he can't take it. He can't take it. The best clothes, success in work, promotion doesn't fix when our relationships are in a wreck. I don't fix it there a place in life that the tension is just it's just bigger than any of those up moments and I love how God comes in and confirms it and verse 9 it says and then he had another dream and he told his brothers Joseph's not learning here <laughs> he told his brothers listen he said I had another dream And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars are bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers and his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? You think this is actually going to happen? And his brothers were jealous of him. And his father kept the matter in mind. His brothers turned it into jealousy. His brothers turned it into envy, and they just ate them alive. And they just could not stand, couldn't stand what was going on. But his father, a little bit of wisdom, a few gray hairs. He's like, mm, let me just think about this. Let me just think. Maybe God's up to something here. See, the problem is, is, is you can be on the same team and jealousy wreck All sorts of stuff. Let's look at Acts chapter 5, verse 16. It says, And crowds gathered also from towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. I think everybody's going to agree that healing is a good thing. What kind of jerk wants someone to stay sick? We're all on page. Healing is a good thing. It says, and then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They were filled with jealousy, and they arrested the apostles and they put them in the public jail. So here we are we got the apostles just going around loving on God, God showing up, loving on people, God showing up. People are getting healed, and then jealousy comes in and wrecks the whole thing, and they end up in jail. They end up in prison over the deal. We've got these roller coasters all over the place. And we have to be willing to say, you know what? It doesn't matter the ups or the downs. My joy, my hope, my peace is found only in God. See, God's love is the only answer for the world's hate. Here's the truth. Haters need love. Haters need love. There's a love deficiency. They are lashing out at all sorts of things. And God has put his body on the earth, you and I, to come in and not answer hate for hate or poke for poke or push for push, but answer that whenever that hate comes in, that we answer with love. See, Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew chapter 5 you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy that makes sense love your neighbor person you're doing life with person that's right there be loving to them but that person that has set themselves against you hate them don't give them any room at all Jesus says but I tell you this love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you in this way you will show that you are the children of your father in heaven How do we show that we're the children of our Heavenly Father? Is it the vehemence of how much we defend our Papa God and Christian views and Christian ethics in our crazy, messed up world? Is it how much we can just go toe to toe and not, I'm not making any apologies and I'm going to get in the face of anybody? Is Is that what Jesus says? Not remotely. Not remotely. He says that we need to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. One translation so says those who despitefully use you. And I tell you what, there's one of the things we just don't tolerate, especially West Texans. We, everybody hates it, but we really hate it. No, nope, we do not like being used. We find out somebody used us. Somebody came in and manipulated us or used us, or, "Oh man, I'm telling you, that just makes you want to fight.." Ugh. he says, "Even when you find yourself, where somebody with anger and, and ill intent used you, love them, pray for them. All we else does is just creates this, this cycle. Hate creates hate. We have to infuse love. That's how we show that we're the children of our Father in heaven. See, he makes his sun rise on people, whether they're good or evil. He lets his rain fall on them, whether they're just or unjust. If you love those who love you, do you deserve a reward? Man, if we were God, you know what would happen? Somebody messes up, and all of a sudden their oxygen supply would disappear. We would know if someone was pleasing us, because we'd be doing the old Darth Vader. And all of a sudden, oh, I better get my life straight. I can get some oxygen back. God provides all of us with oxygen. God provides all of us with the things we need for life. God is for us. And we can be so hateful and vindictive that, man, I'm telling you what, it is, it's, it's, it's nasty and it's ugly. But our Heavenly Father is good. If you love those who love you, do you deserve a reward? Even the tax collectors do that. And at this time of the year, we all say amen. Are you doing anything remarkable <coughs> if you welcome only your friends? Does everyone does that? That is why you must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. If anybody ever is real judgmental to you and grabs this scripture out of nowhere and says, "Y'all, you need to be perfect as your heavenly Father and perfect." Let's remember the context. It's to love perfectly. It's to love. When somebody dispenses evil to us, we pour back love. When somebody dispenses hate or puts us down or is against us, we pull, pull back love. That's where we're, that's the perfect we're called into. First Corinthians 3:3 says, Are you still worldly? For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? It's human, it's fleshly to get wrapped up in this jealous thing. It's fleshly to get wrapped up in this you hate me, I hate you back thing. It's fleshly for us to step into the divineness that we are called to that we're made in the image of our heavenly Father. we've got to put that mess aside and let the love of God show up. See I love how First Corinthians 13, the love chapter begins it says love is patient love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not proud love is patient kind doesn't envy it doesn't boast it's not proud when it's on top it doesn't think man I've got this and when it's on bottom it doesn't look up at the people on top and go man it's that should be mine Love fixes all of it. It fixes all of it. See, our bottom line today is even the up parts of life require trusting God. Joseph was trusting God all the way through this. When he was on top, he was trusting God. He didn't start trusting God when he hit rock bottom. He was trusting God all the way through. And so I want us to embrace this truth right now embrace it right now i'm going to trust god the rest of my life i'm going to believe god the rest of my life i'm going to be in a place where things aren't always as fluid as i would like them but god is in control and i'm going to i'm going to be in a place of rest and peace with him the rest of my life so many times we want to trust god so that we don't have to trust him anymore That's not what this is about. This is about growing in a place where we understand He is so for us, there is nothing that can come against us. Nothing. See, true joy in life is found in trusting God through the twists and the turns. When we really get comfortable in being a Christ follower and saying, He's smarter, He's better, He loves, I trust Him. Then the joy and the peace can come in, and we can really begin to live the life God's called us to live. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.